0: Welcome into the Power Alley. If you're familiar with the podcast, I'm your host, Pat Malacaro. We hope you had a happy and healthy holiday season rounding out 2021. And as we head into 2022, we're less than 100 days away from the 2022 season starting for the Buffalo Bisons when they welcome the Iowa Cubs at the beginning of April. And it's an exciting time in downtown Buffalo as we start to get Salem Field ready for the 2022 season and the chance for the Bisons to go back to back in the Northeast Division in AAA East. Coming up later in the podcast, we'll tell you about some of the players that have been signed by the Toronto Blue Jays to help bolster potentially the Bison's lineup this year if they can't make the big league club. As we start to get ready for the next season, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to take another look back at 2021, but from a unique perspective. The head of clubhouse operations, Scott Lesher, was the only member of the Bison's organization that actually moved to Trenton, New Jersey while the team played at Trenton Thunder Ballpark. Left in late April, the beginning of May, and came back with the Bisons. Came back here and there along the way to visit home a little bit, but stayed home and came home for good in July when the team finally started to make their final preparations to return to downtown Buffalo. So I had a chance to catch up with the head of clubhouse operations and talk about what it was like be embedded with the Bisons this past year and all that it took in such a short period of time to get ready for the 2021 season. For those that don't know your story as the head of clubhouse operations, it's quite the, 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 the journey to get to Buffalo uh, in the early 2000s. You've had quite the path from Philadelphia to here. So uh, how did you get involved in working in the clubhouse in the first place?
1: It's a funny story because I told everybody that 86 Mets documentary aired this year on ESPN. That is literally the only reason I've worked in baseball ever. A uh, friend of mine I went to high school would worked in the clubhouse. His brother was on the ground crew, and the Mets were coming to Philly in '86 to clinch the division. they wild. Their uh, magic number was one. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The boss said, "Bring some helpers in because it's going to be a mess, the party, the whole deal." Long story short, you can look it up. The Mets got swept by the Phillies, so I did not get to enjoy, even though I was a Phillies fan at the time. Would have been a wild scene to be in that clubhouse, and you know, I see that, but. The Mets got swept. I was on the local news carrying boxes of champagne out to a truck and then ended up working the rest of, uh, you know, I worked at home sand you know, the, the boss just paid us under, you know, paid us himself. I need help. Come on in. Long story short after that, Phillies, you know, hey, do you want to work here next year? I was supposed to go to college. Talked to my dad, said, I'll go to junior college and do this and ended up getting down the spring training and worked in the visiting clubhouse in Philadelphia from that point on the following year was hired full-time and you know did that for six years ended up heading to Wilmington Delaware I got out of baseball for a little bit family had a business and was in Wilmington Delaware it's a ball with the Blue Rocks and it kind of was you know a ball was I was doing another job at the time and doing that just it was fun to be around it went to Wichita, Kansas with our manager and trainer. Don't ask me, never thought a got from Philly to be in Wichita, Kansas. So he said, let's go. And I was like, sure. You know, I was younger at the time. Long, longer story short, the Riches own the Double A team in Wichita. I was out there working for the Royals, spring training. To, ended up getting my foot in the door real good with their minor league system. But the job opened up here in Buffalo and they reached out to the GM in Wichita before they looked around in it just because naturally they own the team. And it you know, to me, it got me closer to Philadelphia back home. So naturally I said, yes. And that was in 2003. And here we are still
0: 18 years later. What what a journey it's been. I have to imagine you mentioned the, the 86 Mets uh, documentary at NESPN. Uh, We've seen so many times over the years where uh, you know, the Red Sox, and we know Bob Stanley personally from, from uh, his time as the Bison pitching coach, but you know, you had to empathize a little bit with the clubbies and the MLB officials who were dragging the the champagne and everything out of the Red Sox clubhouse in game six and all the you know the chaos that ensued and all that we see behind the scenes now of of that 86 World Series.
1: Yeah, you can't imagine I mean I can't remember exactly, but one of those three nights, I'm pretty sure it was Saturday. I've got to go back and look it up. I think Friday night, the Mets maybe good. Maybe they just got them good. One I think it was Saturday at one point, the Mets were winning pretty late. We'd set up the clubhouse and shirts on the lockers, and, and the same thing happened, not to that extent of the World Series. We had plenty of time, and but I want to say the Phillies tied it up or something like that, and it was the same thing, like put everything away, and, you know, it was, it was it was wild. I still had one of the 86 division champ orange shirts that you might see around, and I gave it to Jack, who had bat point for us for years and went away to college. He's a big Mets fan, and I figured, you know what? Let this thing live a little bit, and he still wears it. Doesn't fit me either, so.
0: And I'm sure you have a lot of memorabilia like that throughout the course of the years you know stuff you've uh, brought in and kept in your office. I know, you know a Doc Gooden jersey that's per- very, uh, you know, meaningful to you or even the people you've met over the years, presidents of the United States that you've met, you, it
1: runs the gamut. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Richard Nixon was in the clubhouse during a rain delay one year. We were playing the Mets. You know, I was younger. I didn't know, you know, I knew what I knew about him from, you know, school a little bit. We learned about him and, he just knew who he was, and it was, it was pretty wild to get a picture with him. The guy was so such a controversial figure, and he was a real baseball fan, and, you know, Larry King was with him, too, at the time, who I would rather get a picture with, believe it or not, because I was a huge Larry King guy. But, yeah, I mean, people like that is just crazy to come through, you know, and all the 76ers would come over all the time, and Barkley knew, like, Rick, Rick Sutcliffe real good, you know, and Barkley's mm-hmm. running around in the clubhouse, and, you know, you, you meet so many different people just through that.
0: Wow, And we fast forward to your time here in Buffalo now 18 years and you've been here for pretty much the golden era of, of bison baseball. You now the team won a couple of championships 97 98 and then you get to the early 2000s and it's all the players that people that are my age and a little bit younger remember guys like Grady Sizemore, Johnny Peralta, Brandon Phillips, you know, Cliff Lee on the mound, so many great names. And just having those guys come to the clubhouse in that atmosphere that had to be, you know, your first couple of years in Buffalo and you're they're winning the division seemingly every year going to the championship. And those had to be some fun times.
1: Yeah, I man. I always tell people it was pretty crazy because I was with the blue rocks in 96, 97, and then went to Wichita for five years and the Royals are just, a, you know, they great minor league teams forever. And in them seven years, you know, I think one year missed the playoffs and a couple championships. Came to Buffalo in 03. We were really good. We just missed the playoffs, 04 championship, 05 playoffs. I'm like, wow, this is something. And then of course, you know, we had a little bit of a drought. But yeah, it was there were so many good players. Just in is them early years with the Indians, man. It was it was wild. The guys that were in the minor league still that nowadays, they just wouldn't be there. You know, they would go up or they would stay up. You know, Grady came back for the playoffs. And it was just there were so many good players and so many veteran players mixed in, you know.
0: And that's the thing is I I look back on this past season and you uh, of anybody was so entrenched in it. We'll get into that in in a moment. And I want to know all details about that uh, for those folks joining us. But it seemed like there was a lot of similarities between the roster construction of those great teams in the early 2000s And of what we saw this past year, you know, it it goes beyond guys like Grady Sizemore. I had in guys like Ernie Young that were just great veteran leaders. And those are things that we saw in 2019 a little bit, uh, the last full year of baseball in Buffalo for the Bisons. And then last year, the Blue Jays, again, started to really bring in a lot of those players that helped round out a great young core of talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you had a really wild mix this year with veteran guys and then guys that were, you know, not as much young guys and guys were organizational guys. And, you know, the Christian Colons and, and, and he, you know, he was such an integral part of, I think, just keeping everybody together through the Trenton thing. And just, you know, you see now he's coaching. So it was his last year. And he probably in the back of his mind had an idea, you know, if this ain't it, it's getting close and he's, you know, guys, they've really enjoyed it. And, you know, they embraced the situation we we're in, I think, cause a lot of guys didn't play last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we had a nice, I mean, mix. It did remind you of the older days, but the veteran guys and the younger guys and then the pitchers and the, you know, popped up, started to pop up in there and, and have success. And, you know, you weren't sure. Zach Logan, at the beginning of the year he came to Trenton, and knew who he was, but I didn't know if he was just coming up or, you know, it turns out to be that young guy that just has a solid year. He mixes in with all the veteran guys around him that have been up and down a million times. It was a good group.
0: Yeah, and then he ends up being in the last couple of days being named one of the organizational pitchers of the year, uh, according to milb.com. You're right, a great story, and yeah. you know, first start with Buffalo, it, it ends up being in Rochester, and he ends up being the the Triple A's pitcher of the week, and it, that's kind of set the tone for his season with the the Bisons in, in Buffalo and Trenton.
1: Yeah, there was a there was a, f- a few guys like that man coming up, and you know, with all the with the COVID and the extra guys and the big legs and bouncing, and you know, you just didn't know you know, guys are coming and we're in Trenton and we're going the road and coming back and there's so much movement. But then a lot of these young guys ended up staying and really, you know, playing a part and it turned out to be, you know, I wish we had playoffs because I think we had a really good chance at the end. Yeah. And that's one of the
0: things when you talk to a lot of guys like Christian Cologne, they said, just give us one week with Durham. Uh, we're probably the two best teams in the league. If you just give us a five game set, a six game series, whatever you want to do. Uh, it, it would have been a fun atmosphere to be around in something that I think the players really would have had a lot of fun with.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. It reminded me so much of that Scranton year when they played in our ballpark and they played on the road all year. You know, you're just like, wow, what a, what a journey this is. And then, you know, at the end, it, you know, I figured, you know what, let's just go out and ruin everybody's year and win it as a team who played in Batavia and Buffalo and Rochester and everywhere but Scranton.
0: And as we talk about now the Bison's journey from spring training to Trenton, then eventually to Buffalo, uh, I think to me, and um, you, you're you're a great judge of this. It starts with the manager and Casey Candell, and somebody that I think really has a great um, pulse on the players and how to make it such an atmosphere that um, you know it, it's easy to easier to be in a situation like the team was in this past year.
1: Yeah, I said it right all along. Casey was the, the right guy at the right time. And and the whole staff, Jeff Ware, Corey Hart, you know, Devo, the guys that had all been around, the new Jake and, and the new guys we had. But, you know, it was the uh, Casey just was, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. You know, leading up to opening day, a couple of days before I get to, get to Trenton, and for whatever reason, we didn't have the correct COVID test and all that good stuff done. So I wasn't allowed to be in the locker with the players, even – the war the practice day I had to come in at 11 o'clock at night and the first game opening day I'm literally sitting outside on a picnic bench outside of the clubhouse and the guy who's texting me most about hey this player needs this size pants and this hat is Casey our manager so you know you think you yeah, know have some other stuff to do on opening day but that's just you know whatever he just went with everything man he just was great so it was it was a uh it was a weird situation, but you know, in, in the end, I'm like, "Where well, is this guy going to be mad? It's not my fault." But he was—he understood the situation better than everybody.
0: And, and as we look back at now, the 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 journey that was, the Bison's announcing they were going to go to Trenton, the logistics of it all, and then you and just a, a few people within the organization, loading up a truck and going to New Jersey. What was you know, that experience from when you found out of? you were going to Trenton and, or if, if you wanted to even go to Trenton and then what it was going to take to get ready to, to go to that situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, as you know, it happened pretty quick. You know, people don't realize that, you know, we did not have a month. We had an idea, but there was a bunch of places being floated around and some things that fell apart. So we never knew. And it was literally a week to get into the stadium. I've not been at that stadium in over a year at that point, not been there like literally stuff was stored when COVID first hit. And then the blue Jays were coming the first time I wasn't there when it got stored. So it was all over the place. As you can imagine, storage unit upstairs and suites, we had to dig and find everything. Hope we found everything. Kurt Anderson jumped in, they bought him back and uh, he, he, he helped me. And we somehow got everything we thought we needed loaded and Thankfully, I came back before the season and went back to Trenton. There was a few things we did miss, but we got everything on a truck within, a, you know, uh, literally a few days and drove it to Trenton and unloaded everything there. And then came back here, drove my car back and waited for the team to come and figure it out there. It was pretty crazy. Not much time at all to, to find everything, get it together. And somehow we, we I think we we, we weren't missing too many things. <laughs>
0: And what was that first initial experience with, the, with our friends now in Trenton, in the Trenton Thunder front office and making it so that it was such an easy transition for, for yourself and for the players once they finally got there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was first got there and, you know, we, it was a little bit overwhelming. There wasn't a, a ton of uh, space to be and I was really like, wow, this is going to be something talked to them a little bit. Hey, can we do some, you know, clear out some areas just because we had all our Buffalo stuff. And then we needed to have that because we were playing the Marona's Buffalo being Trenton there. And then by the time I drove back, drove my car back, they had a whole third locker room was cleared out, became an area where, you know, they had used before for mascots and, and marketing and stuff that they weren't using with the situation we're in. So, I mean, they were great. They just gave us basically an entire room to, down the end of the hall. We could store all of our stuff and keep it out of the way because you know it's it, it's a, it was a great setup for clubhouse-wise and all, but storage and all that didn't have a ton of stuff, and we were using Trenton stuff here, our stuff there. So it was pretty wild when we first got there. I was a little bit overwhelmed thinking, man, this stuff might be in the hall for the next three months.
0: And speaking of being overwhelmed, to some extent, you go from – the last time there was a Bison season, 2019, you have a, a, a staff of several people that, that help you on a regular basis. But due to the COVID protocols of the minor league, a triple-A bubble, um, you weren't able to have as much support staff uh, with you in Trenton this year. So what was that, you know, the first couple of weeks of the first homestand or the first, as you mentioned, not being able to be around the team for those couple of days because of the testing issues. And, you know, just trying to navigate with a, sh- a smaller group, a lot of times, just yourself uh, tr- trying to to do a, a day daily, you know, your, your job on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. It was a bit of a, you know, a concern first getting there, not sure. And the limited numbers and all that, you know, with the COVID, you know, have so many people in this bubble, we got very lucky after, you know, the, before the first homestand that people had worked in Trenton in the past in the clubhouse, the guy who did the visiting side and the guy who helped the home side for God, he's been there forever. They were all in, they were excited, wanted to be part of it. So, I mean, it kind of was a problem that I thought was going to be huge. Worked itself out pretty quick. Cause the guy I had is incredible. You know, he could run the clubhouse without me. Uh, and then the visiting guy, you know, Eric and Christian down there, they they did it before. So it wasn't like, you know, in, you know, we worked together and everything like that, but, it wasn't like, you know, they were on their own. I was on my own. Just, it was long hours. It was a lot more less help than I've had in the past, but there was also some other things that I weren't doing on the operations side that Brian Rock was doing there, which was, you know, I just, made, you know, it was longer hours of staying there and doing clubhouse type stuff that that's what I started out doing. And in the end, you know, it's, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, it's, it's, you know, you just get things done. You, you stay there at night, you put the radio on and, you know, it's, it beats a job as they say.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, the, the unique part of it too, you're living in Trenton. So you're also having to live in a hotel for, for the time that you're there. So, you know, it, it just, what was that experience for, for yourself, like going back and forth from Trenton and then, you know, living in a hotel when you were, you were doing your job?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it worked out great. I had a nice Hyatt property that they do business with up there and, and the visiting team stayed there. And it was, it was perfect for what I needed. You know, we didn't know if it was going to be a week, a month, three months, you know, no one knew up until the time we were leaving. We didn't know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, people always ask you a bunch of questions about, you know, I literally, you know, would walk out at like nine 30 in the morning with a cup of coffee from downstairs, go to the stadium, get back home at one, get back to the hotel at one or two in the morning. So, I mean, you know, it was a comfortable bed. It was a nice TV and a shower. That's all it was, but it worked out perfect. It was, close enough, but far enough. And, you know, it, it, it solved, it solved the issue. You didn't need to rent an apartment or anything like that. Like I said, we didn't know how long we were going to be there. So it was a, it was a unique situation, but the hotel under the all was great.
0: And it also allowed you the ability when the team was out out of town. And the the nice thing about last year's schedule for, for the most part was two week chunks of being at home and on the road. So you were able to come back to, to Western New York. I know we got in a bunch of golf when you you were home and you got to, sort of see everybody again and you know for for those little weeks that you were back and uh, feel a little bit like it was a little bit normal I would think
1: yeah it definitely worked out lucky because I mean obviously that's a drive that I've done since I moved here in 2003 to Philadelphia which is only like you know 30 minutes away a million times so six hours in a car with the satellite radio is a simple deal and you know I was able to come home a few times and we the two weeks was great so you know come home here and then my wife was able to come out there once for a week when the team was just away for a week but we were able to spend some time out there and she got to go to you know we went to the shore out there and everything like that was really you know stuff's close you know it's a really good area for if you have time which in baseball sadly we usually don't but you know you're so close to so many things New York Philly and the beach but yeah I was able to get home a few times was was good you know and it made it work you know my wife understood the situation and it's, you know, it could have been a lot worse. Like you said, we had them two week road trips a few times and how she got there, I got here. So it didn't, it didn't seem like it was three months.
0: We talk about, you know, the team gives out an unsung hero award every year, but your your wife is an unsung hero for, you know, allowing, you know, you to be away from Western New York for that long period of time and, you know, making that whole situation work when I'm sure that couldn't have been easy either.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the, we, the year we just went through with, not working and all that good stuff so I think it got to a point when this started to come about and I mentioned Anthony and Butch in the beginning you know wherever the AAA team is I'm good let's go there let's figure it out let's you know it's only a few months and she understood that you know I mean we it just didn't we both of us basically didn't work for a long time and then I haven't worked for since the end of the '19 season so mm-hmm. you know and like I said this is kind of since 1986 out of high school had a few other jobs but it's all I've been doing so it was awesome to have that one summer off in a weird way, but then again, yeah, you get scared because you don't want too many summers off at this point in this job.
0: Uh, I definitely hear that. Uh, you know, as, as the season was rolling on last year and the Bisons in Trenton were starting to win games and win series and take five out of six, was there ever a point where you got, kind of got the feeling that there was something special building with this team before they even came back to Buffalo?
1: Yeah, I, I think early on, and, you know, just in Trenton, and you know how the minor leagues are in A. it's a tough spot, guys are up and down, and, you know, when you're in the big leagues, and it's a different world, it's a, it's a you know, AAA is not horrible, it's a way better life, so I wasn't sure how guys are going to handle it, and, you know, from day one, everybody was amazingly all in, okay with it, you know, that's. You know, the only thing they didn't really like was the pinstripes that we had to wear, and we we, we didn't wear the jerseys ever because of the Yankees and Trenton and their previous affiliation. But otherwise, everybody was just all in, man. It was, you know, it was just such a good group early on. You could tell, and they had fun. They had fun on the bus and embraced the front office and Trenton, and, you know, it was just pretty, you know, as much as you could with COVID, but hanging around them guys, and, and you know, they, they, they really – everybody seemed to just go with it in the beginning and just handle it.
0: And I think one thing you mentioned early on plays into this as well is the fact that so many guys did not play in 2020 because it was no minor league season and not knowing if you would have another year after this, or if you'd have another game after the one you just played because of the way that things were shifting and changing. So maybe that gave guys a different perspective, uh, maybe veteran guys, younger guys, whatever that, you know, nothing's guaranteed at this point. So let's just go out and have some fun. And that, that kind of translated early.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, we, we had multiple older guys that were, you know, their option was maybe going to be go play in Mexico or maybe not go play. And then this popped up and, you know, it just was a, I think so many guys just said, you know what, we take this for granted for all them years. And, you know, the AAA is, it's a weird spot. I tell people, you know, you have the young guys and you got the the veteran guys that are bouncing up and down are going to be back or the 40 man guys. But there's also that group of guys that, You know, any years could be your end. This could be the last time. And I think we had a handful of guys like that that really said, you know what, I appreciate playing this year after last year. And, you know, some of them went to Mexico and some haven't played. It was pretty wild hearing the stories of guys that didn't play. And so I think they appreciated it.
0: And it culminated in the division championship, the first for the Bison since 2005. And, you know, something I haven't touched on much, but, you know, the fact that it is a new league for for the Bisons in in AAA baseball, no longer the International League. It was AAA East last year and uh, only playing within your division. So I think one one thing I'm looking forward to going into 2022 is playing teams outside of the division. And even though there's six-game series still, you'll play Columbus, Gwinnett, Iowa team that Biden's haven't played in two decades and, and seeing some of those other familiar faces that we've seen over the
1: years. Yeah, it'll be pretty neat. We've talked about how many times about Memphis and Nashville should be in our leg and they get in our leg and then all this happens and here we are. And But at least we're going to play some different teams. And I think that'll be really neat. And, you know, people, people maybe want to come down and just get to see a different, you know, an Iowa Cubs and some different players. I mean, Rochester, Scranton, it's all nice. We play these teams so many times home and over the course of a year. I think over time, in the next few years, it'll be really neat to see these different franchises come in.
0: You've worked in a major league clubhouse before, as we, as we talked about, working for the Phillies. And uh, when the Blue Jays came back to Buffalo last year in 2021, there was a multi million dollar uh, coordinated renovation between the Blue Jays and the Rich family for, to renovate the service level of the ballpark to make it major league standard. I'm curious. What was your first reaction like when you came into the finished clubhouse? You know, maybe it was after the the Trenton um, stint was up for you and you know came back. But what what were your first thoughts when you saw the finished clubhouse and, and all the different things that that you were going to be able to make your own in that place?
1: Yeah, I mean, I came down once when the team was on the road. Came back to Buffalo, the Blue Jays on the road. I was able to sneak down there one day and just see it and. It just was overwhelming with the Blue Jays there. I mean, you know, the the scout that they're on compared to us and the amount of stuff they have and the equipment and, you know, how they utilize it. But I knew it wasn't going to be the same. You know, the visiting clubhouse was being used as the coach's room and all. But when we got here and finally got the lay of the land and then it's, it's amazing, man. I mean, I still to this day will walk into that door that you used to take into the back visiting clubhouse is now just a bat boy, little locker area. I walk in there thinking I can go through it to the clubhouse. I mean, it's crazy. It's just, you know, I mean, it's an amazing place laid out wise. It's so big and has kind of everything you need, but yeah, it's, it's still overwhelming. What it, you know, how quick they did it and what it became. You just never, never imagined it down there. We always talked about renovation and what ideas and what we would do. And none of that stuff was ever in the plans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the thing that I always come back to is when I'm in the main player locker room area, that's where the batting cages used to be, and now the yeah. batting cages are outside. And you know, when I, we walk into the ballpark every day to work, we walk right by the batting cages, and, and they're state of the art. They're beautiful, but just how all that stuff had to be shifted and changed, and where do you put certain things, and and how all that uh, went into the plans of the renovation—that still blows me away.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. You think I, I remember coming down here at one point when I was loading up for the construction, and it was literally like five or six different different jobs being done at once you could tell like different crews that's how quick it was being done and they were just like not even you know stepping on each other and that's just amazing the, the batting cages i mean the main locker room you sit sitting there and that's where you just really know like this is this is different than minor league locker rooms and stuff you know it's it's pretty legit just you've been down there in that weight room that's it's an amazing setup it isn't something that and, you know, Bison
0: players will be able to take advantage of for, for many years to come. That's the, that's the beauty of, of all this. It wasn't done for one year and gone. Like the, the renovations yeah. that modifications for 2020 going forward, this is your, your setup for, for the very long-term.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of, you know, the whole coming. leaving we were in Trenton when there was the talk that we we're going to come back here and all like people were surprised. Cause there wasn't like the team didn't, you know, a lot of guys were almost at that point saying, Hey, you know what? we got family here, we got apartments here, we've been here three months, is it going to be worth moving? And, do, you know, it, it was a lot on them when they got to Buffalo and seeing that placement. I mean, you've seen the reactions. It was just like, wow. And Trenton was great. We got lucky there because we went to a facility that the Yankees had been in for years and the clubhouses and all. They had video rooms and a food room and a weight room, you know, in the front office. Couldn't have been any better. But when they came to Buffalo and just seen that place and said, oh, this is it's our locker room, it's our trainer's room, you know, and the hot tub and the cold tub and things you just don't have. It was amazing.
0: And now that we are focusing on 2022 and, you know, into the new year, um, you know, what are your preparations like for getting ready for the new season and, and hopefully having what is close to as, you know, pre-pandemic offseason as we can have right now to, to get ready for the new year?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there's amazing that people probably wouldn't understand, but there's some construction that's still got to be done. You know, this place was built for the Blue Jays and they were the only ones down there. There was no visiting guys, no umpires. They were all out in that massive facility they built, you know, in the parking lot. So we're still trying to retrofit and make this place where everybody can coexist because there's a common hallway. And, you know, we got some construction projects going on still trying to just tighten it up and figure it out. And so it's you know i was down there yet the other day and just yesterday and the day before and there's construction workers in a build building this bathroom in a shower area and so it's a, hopefully at some point all that's done i mean i got boxes of stuff and all that i still haven't even touched that i stored from 19 and my desk and my locker and just pictures and i keep saying i'm gonna wait until everything's done everything before and then then we can get settled in hopefully that's maybe you know this year is definitely the goal
0: Our thanks once again to Scott for taking the time to tell us what it was like to live in Trenton this past year and how he got through the 2021 season, and hopefully Scott will enjoy a much calmer and more relaxed 2022 season coming up. Well, some of the players he may have in the clubhouse this coming season are a couple of returning names, as just before the holiday, the Toronto Blue Jays announced that Casey Lawrence and Kellen Daglin were part of a host of players signed to minor league contracts by the big club, but with invitations to Major League Spring training coming up in February, Casey Lawrence was about as good as it got for the Bisons down the stretch, came back up from New Hampshire after being stretched out into a starter and pitched very well. So if Lawrence does not make the big club next year, look to him to be a veteran presence in the starting rotation or in the bullpen for the Bisons pitching staff. Also, Kellen Deglin brought over in a trade from the Yankees organization, and with all the changes that came at catcher late in the season, the addition of Alejandro Kirk for a short period of time, Deglin could also be one of those valuable pieces behind the plate for the Bisons in 2022. A former teammate of Deglin's just recently signed a new contract with the Blue Jays as Ghost K. Coteau, Originally drafted by the Yankees, spent last year in the Padres organization for El Paso out in AAA West, signed a contract with an invitation to major league spring training as well, hit 306 last year, had 42 RBIs out in AAA West, and Coteau was one of those players, if you remember, back in 2019, went up and down between AAA and A, AA, and with all the injuries that the Yankees had, Cateau was one of the players that was really leaned on by the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders to help buoy them. Not only to a very strong start to the 2019 season, but would eventually be the final International League North Division pennant, Coteau, a pivotal part of that 2019 Rail Rider team. So again, if he does not make the Blue Jays as a utility man in 2022, look for Coteau to have a big impact on the Bison roster as well. We look forward to you checking in each week with us here in the Power Alley as we get you set for the 2022 season. As the weather starts to warm up, so will the hot stove. And look forward to bringing you more of the great off-season news and notes as we get set for April the 5th in downtown Buffalo when the Bisons once again get ready to play here in 2022. Thanks for joining us here in the Power Alley. Until next time, I'm Pat Malaccaro.